0: Jim Shoemaker, Jason Harrington, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Channing Schmidt is also a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc. and is employed by Securian Financial
1: helping you make the most of your money.
2: It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. Welcome to today's program. Well, it's got plenty of information and education in it, as always. And of course, we're going to be answering your questions. And if you have a question, then you can text us to the question to Jim, J I M, at 901 683 0989. Or email me, talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, and we'll get your question on the air. Experience has taught us that successful investing requires discipline and patience. And when emotions run high, as they see it today, boy, we can lose focus. And we see that, and for some people, it's a concern. So you start looking for a better program, a better solution, and that leads us to the questions that we've got today. The first question comes from Dean. He says, my 401k plan is not performing as expected. That's a big word. Do I need to make changes I hear you say, don't get emotional, but I fully understand Dean's question. Second question's from Sam. He's a retiree or preparing to retire. He says, inflation seems to be a big problem today, according to Fed Chairman Powell. What do I need to do today as far as my investments to protect myself for the future? My wife and I are both in our 60s. What is your suggestions? Well, we have two experts in the studio. Let me welcome to the program, Scott Jordan and Jason Harrington. Good Great morning. to be here, Jim. Yes, Guys, sir. it's good to have you. And I tell you, there's a, there's a lot of information. When we talk about pitfalls and we talk about timeless tips for managing money, I think it leads right into the question that Dean and Sam have asked us. And, you know, I guess I want to kind of set the stage when we're answering somebody's question, and, and Dean or Sam's question, I want them to understand and everybody listening, there's five things that we really need to know to give investment advice. And so you might want to write these things down. Age is number one. And of course, we do have that from Sam, and we kind of suspect that Dean's a little bit younger. Time what's your time horizon? What's your risk tolerance? That's number three. Number four what's your tax bracket? And five, which is the most important thing that we talk about, is what is your true objective? So, Scott, let's lean in with you. First of all, the question from Dean. My 401k plan is not performing as expected. It's down a lot. Do I need to make changes? I hear you say, don't get emotional, but...
1: Well, this is a question that we're getting a lot, and you tend to get these kind of questions a lot during these volatile times is, you know, the market's down, people are looking at their 401k statements, their balances are down significantly, and they start to think that maybe they're doing something wrong, that something they're doing is is not correct. Um, You know, I I think that what I would advise anybody that's having those thoughts is, you know, you go back to go back to the reasons that I see investors fail a lot is, you know, one, their expectations are not realistic. They don't plan on times like this. This is part of investing. They they don't invest based on sound principles, and we can dive a little deeper into those as we talk today. And and then the final is they they don't have their investment strategy tethered to a well crafted financial plan. And and I would say to the caller who has this question is I would hope that that investment strategy is tethered to a plan. We're invested in a way that's 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 reasonable that can give us the type of returns that we need to hit our goals that that thing you said last while ago was the objective what are we trying to accomplish are we invested in a way that that can uh give us the returns we need to hit those goals and, and i wouldn't make any sudden changes just because the market is down now that doesn't mean you can't make some some shifts around the perimeter or shifts around the edges that may take advantage of some of the economic opportunities but but not a wholesale change in the plan
2: so in other words stay the course and, absolutely uh, you know no his risk tolerance yes you know if he's if it's just really bothering him that's it's a concern, but he sh- we should think about that when you start. And he says it's a 401k plan, mm-hmm. which tells me it's got a long horizon. Right. And that's to his advantage. Absolutely. All Absolutely. right. That's good. So hope you got your question answered, Dean. Now, here's Sam's question. And, and Jason, I'm going to go to you with this one. He says, inflation seems to be the big problem today. According to the Fed Chairman Powell, what do I need to do with my investments to protect myself for the future? That's a loaded question.
3: And that's Yeah, right. it
2: is. But my wife and I are both in our 60s. So what are you thinking? Well, I think that
3: that is a question that, whereas it may be on a lot of people's mind today because of the inflation news. I think so. Knowing that or the fear that the rise in cost of goods over time is going to put pressure on your retirement money has been around forever. I mean, everybody kind of worries about that. Uh, We were talking about this a little earlier, and I think one of the things that you can do as you start to approach those retirement years is take a look at your Social Security statement. Are you going to get Social Security? Uh, What's that going to look like for you? Uh, do you have pensions? Do you have an opportunity to create some pension income for yourself to cover some of your base expenses that you'll experience in retirement? If you have a house note still, or if you're paying rent or a car note, what are the things that you know are going to be coming into your home from a bill perspective on a regular basis? And can you create an income stream to protect yourself from that? Um, After that, uh, one of the best ways to protect yourself from inflation is to invest your money uh, in the market. The uh, marketplace is one of your best investment uh, inflation hedges uh, that is out there.
2: It's hard for a lot of people to think about when we watch what happened this last week or two weeks ago, and the reality is that's going to be volatility. Volatility is a part of the market. Without it, the market's really dead. And that's obviously, right. it's part of the, the living market. I, I guess my question is, and I, I think about what Sam's asking, the 60s. He says, we're in the 60s. And I know, Scott, you can lead on this because we just talked to someone about this yesterday. Right. The idea that, you know, their their life mortality is tables are telling long. them they're going to live to be 90. So yeah. you have to plan 87, 88,
1: 90. And I think that's an important thing to bring up because there's, there's you tend to get into a mentality that I'm approaching retirement and that's the end point, right? right? It's like I'm going to hit, you know, whether it's 65, whatever the age is, you're, you're planning to stop working. And that's it. That's all I really have. Have to worry about. But, you know, in this day and age, we have to plan for 25, 30 years in retirement. That's a long time horizon. And when you think about inflation and the rising cost of goods, really, like Jason just pointed out, one of the best hedges to protect your money or to protect your purchasing power is to invest that money in assets that have a history of outperforming inflation, be it equities, bonds, and maybe even some commodities. In right.
2: That. And you just have to make that a part of your investment horizon. Well, guys, yeah. you, you answered the question. Yes, Jason. I, I heard
3: a brilliant man say this uh, earlier. A uh, very brilliant person said that a lot of times people in this uh, in this market, when you see the down market, they think about leaning toward protecting principal, And really what they should think about is protecting their purchasing power.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, who is that you, man? I mean, oh, yeah, it might have
3: been
1: Scott Jordan.
2: Well, Scott know. Jordan could have been
1: my selection. For <laughs> that's not there. my original fault that's been around for a while. But, yes.
2: hey. but that's a critical point. You know, it's about protecting that whole idea behind purchasing power. What am I going to be doing in the future? If you don't keep up with inflation or stay ahead of inflation, as we know, I mean, I think I read something the other day that if you're old today, you're old when you know that the car the house that you bought it was less expensive than the car you buy today, wow. so, your first house. So, uh, you know, that's reality. That and, it is. It's is something it is. to think about. Today, buying a car is expensive. And yes. that's what about inflation. That's what ke- creates that problem. So I think we've answered those questions, guys. I really do want to dive into these investment pitfalls or, or what we call the timeless tips when it, we're managing money because... I think if you really pay attention to us, we're going to give you some very serious advice and thoughts about just how to stay the course. Because we all know that reality is, experience has experiences taught us that successful investment requires discipline and patience. And I mean, emotions can create all kinds of havoc. So I'm going to lean into Jason. Jason, what do you see? I mean, I heard have heard people thinking, well, investing, we talked about a volatility a little bit, is kind of a... Uh, it's a smooth thing. It's it's no. Just put the money in and it just goes up. Just let yeah. That is,
3: there is a tendency to believe that. And I think we addressed this a little bit in Dean's call. Uh, you know, uh, Scott talked a little bit about that. Making sure that as an investor, your expectations un, are, are set and and realistic to understand that part of investing for a long term is that your investments will go up and at some point in time they will also decline. Um, You know, there's a a statistic out there that says uh, that showed like what we experienced in COVID Um, when the market dropped from March to February, 37%. I mean, that's a pretty drastic drop. And we've seen some of that uh, after COVID too, some pretty deep drops. But Mm -hmm. by November of 2020, the market had recovered. It was pretty quick. Um, A lot of people make rash You know, decisions when the market goes down. Now, when the market does go down, it doesn't mean there's nothing you can't do. Um, You know, you can rebalance your portfolio. Uh, Scott alluded to that earlier, where you can, you know, smooth around the edges and take advantage of some of the decline. If you're invested in an account that's not in your 401k, you make it maybe can harvest some losses uh, that could help you from a tax perspective. So there's plenty to do uh, when the market goes down. Um, But uh, it is going to go down, and you it have to kind of so understand that. It will be
2: volatile. So understand, I guess, is you know that it's not a smooth ride. Manage your expectations. I know, Scott, you talk a lot about timing the market, which is number two. The pitfall about managing market, managing your portfolio is basically don't try to time the market. It is a
1: it is an appealing concept to people. You know, when you when you look at the market and the volatility, there there can be this sense that if I catch that at the right time, whether I'm buying at the bottom or selling at the top, I can really avoid some of this discomfort that comes along the way. And you know, you and I both know, Jim, that is a very 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 difficult thing to accomplish in reality. Um, you know, we always say it's it's time in the market not timing the market that leads to long-term investing success. So it's very hard to, to pick the bottoms or sell out at the top. And in our experience, it's it just makes more sense to ride out the downturns and, and not try to derail our long-term plan just to avoid some temporary discomfort because you and I both know, Jim, a lot of the best days in the market come very close to some of the worst days in the market, and if you're not in there to catch that upswing when it happens, then then you can really be out.
2: Yeah, for, I read um, somewhere that forty percent loss is it worse if you have a forty percent loss, or is it worse if you miss the forty percent gain? Well, that's a tough thing. It, for a lot it of it is. It
1: is yeah. very tough. Very tough.
3: I'll add some validity to that statement. BlackRock showed that if you invested a hundred thousand dollars in the S and P five hundred in, in the year two thousand. Uh, then by the end of 2019, it would have grown to 324 thousand dollars if you just left it, and that's all there. the volatility that took place that's, for that decade. That's all the ups and downs and everything. That's if you just left it. However, if you missed five of the best days during that 20-year time frame, you would have had 215 thousand dollars. Wow! So wow. five days is uh, over a hundred thousand dollar.
2: Difference. That's a great point. That's now, a to, that
1: is that is that is something. Now think about that for a minute. Over twenty years, you're only missing five days. Yeah. you're out of the market for five days over twenty <laughs> years, and your returns are that much lower. And I, you know, if you if you uh, pull that out to ten days or twenty days, the the difference gets very very dramatic. So. those are the kind of things that we always point out to people when they start thinking about trying to time the market is that, hey, it's very difficult to do, even for the best professionals out there. You know, we've seen a lot of active managers that have tried to time the market. They're just not consistently good at it.
2: That makes a lot of sense. What about the idea behind taking too little risk? I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I, I can sense that sometimes who just they, the risk tolerance they don't really know how to manage their risk and they get that fearful thought. and Maybe it was their mom or dad taught them that or maybe it was just their experiences taught them. But how do you help somebody manage that pitfall? Because that can really be a problem if you're not taking the risk.
3: I mean, sometimes all the math and all the statistics and all the, Advice that you can give just sometimes can't outweigh that gut feeling of you know I'm just nervous and scared and so uh, that can lead investors to really retracting their uh, investment portfolio into
2: very low
3: risk and that's uh, missing
2: those five days you just talking about some not good timing but just literally moving out, out of the equity side of the portfolio and missing those five days
3: that's right and uh, you know. Moving to low, low risk in and of itself is not uh, terribly bad, um, but you have to understand that generally speaking with low risk investments also comes... The, a lower potential for return, which puts more pressure on your money with regard to inflation. Um, and you have to understand what this investment is going to do. And that uh, that typically associates with maybe you have a long, much longer time horizon now to accomplish the goals that you wanted to accomplish, or you have to put more money into this investment portfolio to do what it needs to do. So understanding that
1: if you retract a low
3: risk, you're going to have to make some changes to your uh, expectations.
1: And, and I, w- I would say you really have to start looking into to the different types of risk. When people really talk about risk, they're talking about market risk. But I think there's also you have to focus on the risk of not achieving your goals. So if our goal is to provide income and retirement, we need to invest our money in such a way that we have a high probability of hitting that goal. So the idea that I don't want to take on any risk at all, I want to just pull out of the market and and sit on the sidelines and and invest in low risk investments. Now, if you run the numbers on that and that works for hitting your goals, that's fine. But I know uh, I work with a lot of people and most people have to invest some of their assets in risk assets in order to hit those goals. So it's not just market risk. There's also a risk of not hitting that goal.
2: That's a great, great point, and that's really the long-term plan should be to hit that goal. That's, Absolutely. You don't want to end up having to get to your retirement age and all of a sudden realize you don't have enough you have to sell your house or all those kind of things. So so we're selling to Tyler, our producer. Okay, Tyler, you're young enough. He needs to put the money in the market and do it now and forget everything else. That, that's that's our tip, right? That's it. That's right. Okay. Grip just and rip. Don't look at the statements. Let it roll. <laughs> there you go. Going. Scott Jordan and Jason Harrington, we're talking about pitfalls, timeless tips to managing money. And let me tell you something. It can really wreak havoc to somebody's portfolio, whether it's timing the market, as we've kind of talked about, whether it's you know, kind of uh, in thinking that investing is a smooth ride or, or just getting into it, taking too little risk. Those are three basic fundamentals. Coming up in the second half of the hour, Channing Smith's going to talk with us. We're going to dive into what's going on in Washington, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, and the student loan debt forgiveness. Why and was it the thing to do? We're going to talk about that. So don't stay with us because we're going to really stay involved in what we're trying to get done. Guys, let me just ask this question. I know we talk about emotions, Scott, a lot emotions and asset allocation and all that diversification, all those play into really a pitfall that people have to understand what's going on. Start with emotions. Well, emotions,
1: you know, we say this a lot. Emotions are the enemy of any good investment strategy, but they're really hard to control. It is very, it's a very normal response when the market is going through one of its volatile spells like we're going through now to that will elicit some emotions in most people. Uh, they're seeing their, their money go down. But I think that goes back to having that investment strategy tethered to that financial plan, understanding that we're going to go through these times and having that structure, having that discipline um, in place before these times is what will help you not get emotional, not make knee-jerk decisions that may derail your long-term strategy.
2: But you talk about this, and, and Jason, I want you to help us with this because I think some people forget that risk, risk and asset allocation and the whole idea behind... The thought of diversifying should help with that. Of course, I want everybody to understand, you know, any of these pitfalls we're talking about doesn't guarantee success, especially risk and asset allocation. Or even when you talk about uh, failing to diversify, diversification doesn't guarantee success against loss. It's just a way of managing your portfolio for the long haul. But talk about that. That's a huge problem for a lot of people. I think
3: that is one of the ways in which you can help mitigate some of the emotional response is just to make sure that your investments are balanced and doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, There are parts of your investment program that when certain market conditions exist, they should go up and the other part should go down. And that will flip when the market conditions change. And making sure that you have that risk uh, and that asset allocation appropriately designated across your Your portfolio can help mitigate some of the emotional response. I think Scott had a great point, too. I mean, many people try to do this on their own and, um, you know, I want to encourage them to talk to a a financial professional about this because a lot of times when we're dealing with our clients, we're talking about what the market is likely to do over time, not from a prediction of we think it's going to go up or down, but from a prediction that we think it's going to go up and down. Um, and we're able to talk to them about how are we going to react, what are we doing today that's positioning your investments to react and respond in an appropriate manner when the market's going up and when it's going down. So those don't have to be surprises when uh, when they occur.
2: You know, I think it's critical because when you think about what you're going through, these pitfalls, or those things, these are real to people all the time. So as we think about it, believing investing is a smooth ride, that's a concern. Don't think that way. It is going to be volatile. Manage your expectations. Don't time the market. You gave us some great insight to that. And, and we talked, I mean, I think the key is we've covered some things that are important. we got some other things to cover, but you talked about risk and asset allocation, taking too little risk. That is such a problem for a lot of people. And of course, making those emotional. Investments and, and going through that emotional thought process and that can be such a concern. So here's what we've done for you. We have a copy, a PDF that I'm that that's, we're talking about here. It's called Nine Investment Pitfalls. So just simply go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for the document. It's in our post and it's free, absolutely free. Nine Investment Pitfalls. Want you to have it. Want you to be able to look at it. It's so so important. When we come back, we're going to talk about impact of in from taxes guys. So you got to think about that. Stay with us. Coming up later is uh, Shannon Smith, who's going to talk about what's going on in Washington. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
0: Neither diversification nor asset allocation guarantee against loss. They are methods used to manage risk. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. The S&P 500 is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index.
1: Helping you make the most of your money. Talk money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.
0: Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Shoemaker Financial is not affiliated with Channing Schmidt. The views and opinions expressed are those of Channing only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Shoemaker Financial.
2: Helping you make the most
1: of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim
2: Shoemaker. Well, I'm talking with Jason Harrington and Scott Jordan. We're talking about nine investment pitfalls. We talked about believing investments, you know, as a smooth ride, trying to time the market. Again, past performance is not an indication of future performance, but the reality is you need to be in the market. And then, of course, risk and asset allocation, taking too little risk can be a major pitfall. Managing your emotions, oh my goodness, if we could just stop listening to the news. Take a pill, a motion pill, whatever that would be, just to stop managing that. But failing to diversify is also a big, big pitfall. And then focusing more on returns than managing risk, something that we don't even think we're doing, but it creeps in. Now, Scott, I want to lean in. Ignoring the impact of taxes, that's a big problem. Well, that's a big one because depending on where you
1: invest or where you put your assets, those have different tax treatment. For example, if you're investing in your 401k at work, whether you're doing that on a traditional 401k pay basis or a Roth, there's different tax treatments to those. And then... When you focus on investing in an investment account that is a taxable account, well, you do have to really think about the impact of taxes. That can impact your buy and sell decisions and, and how you, um, you know, whether or not you want to take assets out of that account at, at certain times based on the tax treatment of those sales. So, whenever we're investing, we're trying to get future cash flows. And one of the things that's going to pull away from those is taxes. So, we have to consider. The tax impact of our investment strategy when we're when we're doing our plans going forward.
2: I think that's critical to think about. So many times we don't think through that process. Taxes, inflation, all those play into play. You know the, the thought process of how you put the plan together. Let me talk very quickly because I know number nine is critical, and I think it's critical from a standpoint of we see what it does for the client when we're talking to them. Number nine, Jason.
3: Yeah, that's, a, that's avoiding professional advice. I think one of the reasons that most people will be hesitant to talk to a financial advisor may be one of two reasons. One, they are a little concerned at what, is, what would it cost to talk to somebody. Um, and I, I don't discount that. That's an important thing to consider when you're dealing with your uh, investment uh, program is to see what it costs. But many times, as we just saw, it could cost a lot more uh not having professional advice than if you uh, did have professional advice. And um, a lot of people just, uh, there's so much information out there. Uh, You do a quick Google search on investment, you'll come up with a billion hits in 0.3 seconds. Um, Part of our job is to filter through some of that to help our clients understand what information is relevant to be reading and to looking at and, and to give them some perspective of having dealt with a lot of people across a bunch of different demographics and incomes and investment styles to help them understand and, and history. We've had history uh, in our firm for 44 years of knowing what the markets have done and will do. And we haven't really ever seen anything that has totally unprecedented. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's a word we see. But a it's, lot it's a word that you a hear lot. a lot. We're in an unprecedented marketplace, but it's never really ever happened. And so we're able to bring some perspective and hold their hand through uh, some of these tumultuous times while they're making their decisions
2: i think the key word you say is hold their hand i think that if we we can manage through those tips that we've been talking about just good at pitfalls just just the key of holding their you know working with someone to get them through that emotional roller coaster absolutely. i think that's our job absolutely guys did a great job nine pitfalls time-tested ways of managing money. You can get that PDF. Just simply go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for that document. It's in our post. It's absolutely free. Nine investment pitfalls. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for having me, Jim. Well, I want to introduce a guy that we want to really uh, talk to because he's going to talk to us about Washington and what's going on and the whole idea behind the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 and what is so important about the student loan debt forgiveness. Channing Smith, he is a lawyer, a certified financial planner, and advanced sales director for Securian, and we are privileged to have him on the program. He's been with us before. So, Channing, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Jim. It's
4: always a pleasure to talk to you.
2: Well, I know there's a lot going on, and i just like to dive in with intelligent people. Scott Jordan's here with me in the studios, and so I got you and Scott, and I'm just tagging along, just kind of being a part. And so here's the thought. I am so interested in what's happening in Washington, D.C. Let's just start this Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, the student loan debt forgiveness. What in the world is going on?
4: There is a crazy amount of activity in Washington, D.C. right now. And what's so different from, from right now from what we've seen in the past is that typically in election year, especially with midterm elections, usually we don't see major legislation get passed or executive orders get passed. So this is something very different from what we've seen in the past with legislation and what's going on in Washington, D.C.
2: What do you think, Jenny? you've got a lot of experience in watching and thinking and going through this. What do you think's really, is this politically driven? Is this, I mean, there's some good, bad, and ugly about this. I mean, you got a clean energy and health care. That's the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Bottom line, what is, what's really going on? You're exactly right. Midterm elections, you don't see it happening, but it's happening. What do you think? Well, you
4: know, there is some there's some really there's some good stuff in some of this legislation, but there's also some other stuff. But anything that comes from Washington DC, you gotta really look at what the perspective is. You know, there is political motivation behind some of the activities that are going on in Washington DC. In the House, the Republicans right now are projected to make major inroads on on the Democratic majority, and they may they will probably even overtake the Democratic majority and so the Democrats know that they they are in power right now they have the House, they have the Senate, they have the presidency, so they need to do something to get something done and so yes, even though there is some good in this, this is definitely politically motivated. It gives something for some of the Democratic candidates to go out there to their constituencies and just say, "We're doing something here in washington d c
2: can we afford this uh, Inflation Reduction Act of 2022? I mean, that's been the question that I've heard a lot. I mean, everybody says we're just kind of kicking this huge, it's gotten bigger and bigger. We're kicking the can down the road to the next generation, but we're creating an enormous amount of debt. Is that something that you see is going to affect us in the next five years, three years, 20 years? What, what's? I mean, we can't do this for the long term. I mean, you've got a lot of experience in this, so tell me what you're seeing.
4: Yeah, I completely agree with you I mean, it's always been this thing of kicking the can down the road and they're really kind of putting it down. But I think this is something where we're going to see something major going to happen, especially in tax policy, because the way that the last tax act went through under the Trump presidency, a lot of the different tax provisions that were in there, the tax cuts sunset after 10 years, that would be 2026 which means that all those tax cuts that were there for individuals, for businesses, for the estate tax, they all go away unless Congress makes some, does some action. And that might be a point in time where, you know, there could be a new president, could be definitely new Congress. They're going to have to worry about this. This is just kind of kicking the can down the road. And let's see what happens after that.
2: Let me, let me ask you this. In your opinion, does this inflation reduction act really do anything to reduce inflation? Well,
4: you know, if you look at the numbers and you look at the Congressional Budget Office and their estimates on it, I mean, the the they're raising in revenue from this bill what they say about seven hundred and forty billion dollars. That's billion with a B, and they're only spending four thirty three billion dollars based on estimates. So that's where they get the name. Well you know, the estimates are there and you got to look at where kind of some of the stuff is. And does this ever work out where, yeah, this is, this will reduce the budget. Because the other thing that goes along with this is even if there is a savings with the um, inflation reduction act with that student loan debt, and that, uh forgiveness, that's going to cost the taxpayers even more. So even if they did kind of look like they're kind of taking down the, but the, the deficit, this, Forgiveness might be even adding to it and probably go over and above what this act would have done.
2: You know, that uh, that brings me to what you what we wanted to talk about. And again, if you just tuned in, my guest is Channing Smith. He is a lawyer at CFP, Advanced Sales Director for Securian. He's a part of the Individual Solutions team and a frequent guest of ours. And we just rely on him for a wealth, enormous amount of knowledge. And, and I guess, Channing, what I'm asking here, you know, this the student loan debt, I did a program this past Wednesday. That's a live program here on the show, and we were talking about the student loan debt and what that does. And I know Scott's got some thoughts about it. And and again, I just want your opinion. Is this really the right thing to do? I mean, you know, I mean, it's just I struggle. I know it. I know what's going on, and I know why, and I understand why. But also, say, is that not teaching a A generation of people kind of the wrong mindset what's your take on the executive order of the student loan debt forgiveness and what does that do to the economy and what does that do to the individual
4: yeah first of all since it's coming from washington dc there's definitely a political agenda behind it and this is something the democratic party has been uh, putting in their agenda for a long time and that they're finally doing some action with it. Yeah. There are some political motivations with it. I can see a couple different sides with this. Uh, You know, number one, you know, there, there could be some situations where maybe some students um, are behind on their student loan debts and all that stuff. And, you know, the pandemic has made that worse, but then, you know, to your point, Jim, you know, isn't this teaching, uh, some individuals that you know, you can just get stuff forgiven and you don't have to pay it back. That that could be kind of a dangerous thing to do. That and this is maybe you know you open this Pandora's box. Maybe you know uh, if there's a motivation with polit- on the polit- political side, there could be even more of this forgiveness that could potentially happen down the road as well. So yeah, this is this is an interesting one, and you know definitely. It's a political, but there's a couple different sides to this issue for sure.
2: You know, and I guess my concern is we we preach a lot about needs, wants, and desires, and you know, I mean, you know, I, I can understand someone needing or wanting really a college education, but I always feel like that sometimes when you when it's kind of a debt, and I and I know or believe that I'm going to have my debt forgiven or a portion of my debt forgiven it always kind of leads me to do some things maybe uh, inappropriately that I you know I think that I' see that I'm not trying to be critical I'm just trying to be reality is that we're going to have to pay it at some point in time and I, I just I feel like somewhere out here taxpayers are going to pay it the individuals are going to pay it the, what happens to the economy it's one of those situations that I wish I had a better answer. Uh, I'm glad I'm not in their chair trying to figure this out because I can see the political side and I can see the need, but also see the consequences. And that's what concerns me is the consequences ultimately from that standpoint. What do you think about the IRS uh, getting an increased in for I mean, They're talking about 85,000 jobs. Is that correct? I think that's what I've heard. And they already are needing correct. about 40,000. So now they're talking about a ton more. And, uh, you know, right now we're at unemployment at 3.5%, 3. 36 And the reality is, where are they going to find this 85,000 people?
4: Yeah, I think mean, that's a great question, Jim. I mean, it's not like everybody Trying to beat down the door to, to work at the IRS. I mean,
2: <laughs> it's not your, you know, not it's play. not what you would tell your neighbor. Hey, I work for the IRS. I'm watching you. That's not one of those neighborly yeah. conversations that you have.
4: Exactly. So you know, number one, they're going to have to find people. You know, for those positions, that's a lot of hiring that has to go on. Um, so yeah, this is the, probably the the one provision within the um, Inflation Reduction Act that, that has me concerned and. You know, the number that keeps coming up, and I've heard um, Yellen talk about this as well, is this is not going to affect kind of the uh, middle class or the lower um, income tax brackets. Instead, what they're going to do, and they always do this, Jim, is they focus on the high net worth, the wealthy people, thinking they're getting away with with a lot on on their income taxes or their state taxes. And so they're going to really focus there all these new hires, and it's going to take them a while to get this hired, so it's not going to happen overnight. This is, we're talking three, five years before they get everybody hired, but they're going to focus right on those high net worth individuals. And, yeah, it's it's just kind of a common theme that keeps coming up in Washington, D.C.
2: Well, and, and you know, I wish I could say that it was going to be something that, uh, you know, I, again, maybe hiring 85,000 people and they, what they what they propose, again, is this enforcement and, uh, you know, that's kind of like, uh, who are they going to be targeting? You, you said the wealthy. I, I can understand that. But, you know, I've also heard the idea behind, you know, middle class. And, you know, that begins to affect that stability of the country. And when you start, you know, auditing and, and really going after that, there may be a need. I mean, I'm not saying there's not. But I, I just feel like that most of the time... I think the middle class pays their fair share, and that's that's my take, and that's my thoughts, and I just feel like we have to think through that process. I hope you understand what I'm saying.
4: Mm-hmm. I definitely do, Jim.
2: Okay. All right. I want to ask you one last question, the midterm elections. Now, you've kind of predicted for us the idea behind the thought process of, you know, maybe the Republicans will take over. I've actually heard that you know, where at the beginning of the year, it was going to be a slam dunk. Now it's going to be a close call. I heard that, you know, at the beginning of the year, the Senate would probably be a photo finish, but the Republicans would probably get that. Now I hear no chance. So what you're seeing, what are you hearing?
4: Yeah, what I'm seeing with this, and this is really interesting. If you follow politics and Kind of watch what happens with different elections. This one will be definitely fascinating to watch. You're right, Jim. Um, the Republicans definitely started uh, with a very large lead. Um, the, the mood of the nation was definitely, you know, uh, with all the economic struggles that people are going on with inflation, with fuel prices, this was really fueling. Um, the Republican party and, and the growth that they're seeing there. Then there's been a couple different things that have happened and you know, these paths, these the executive order and the act kind of will help Democrats a little bit as well. But there's kind of this movement. If you see the newest generic polls where, where Republicans were way up, it's getting a little bit closer. So this will be really fascinating to watch. Uh, I think the House, if I was gonna make a prediction, and I'm always wrong with predictions, so I just take (laughs) it as bad as it is, I I would see that the the House would go to Republicans with a slight majority, Um, maybe 10 votes. Let's talk about that. The Senate, that's gonna be a photo finish. Um, Some of the polling that I took a look at last night, seems to show that there's a there's the potential that the Democrats would control uh, keep the control of the Senate but it would be by a very small margin and if you think about that small margin and Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema I mean that's really kind of a toss-up there too so it will be fascinating to watch Um, so I think Republicans will take the house Democrats may keep the Senate but all those majorities will be very very small and that just means that now we have a mixed government, and unless there's negotiations and people start working together, we're going to see kind of probably some uh, place where the government won't get a lot of stuff done. Yeah, the just
2: the gridlock. Years, so. Yeah, you talk about grid. Of course, the market yep. happens to like the gridlock, but, but that's really kind of like we're not getting things done that we need to get done. That's the problem you're talking about.
4: Correct, yep. Yep, exactly. Well, So let's see what happens.
2: <laughs> I'll call you back in November, partner. I appreciate you so much, Jenny. <laughs> it's always good to talk to with you. It's, uh, it's just a pleasure, and you do a great job. Channing Smith, he is a lawyer and a certified financial planner, advanced sales director of an individual solutions team at Securian. So much appreciate you being on the air with us. You always do a wonderful job for us. Have a wonderful day, my friend.
4: Thanks, Jim. Have a wonderful day and everybody out there have a wonderful Labor
2: Day. Amen. Thank you, sir. All right. Scott, what are you what do you hear? I mean, you know, Jenning has got such a wealth of knowledge. He really kinda gives us a big overview and a thought process. But, you know, at the same time, it's hard to predict what we're talking about because we've watched things change since January, we since May. It's kind of like a day-to-day, as he even said. I went in and looked online last night at the, you know, the nonpartisan polls, and, you know, it's edging. And we talked to Greg Valliere. He's in Washington, the analyst that we talked to. He's changed. And so What do you think? Well,
1: I... <laughs> You know, I think if you'd have asked me back in January, it was pretty clear, pretty right? Clear. It looked like it looked like the Republicans were definitely going to take the House for sure, and possibly even the Senate. And I do think that seems to that enthusiasm has waned a little bit, if you will. But I kind of I kind of land where Channing does. I do feel like the Republicans should still take control of the House and and the, the Senate. Yeah, who knows? Man, who knows? That's going to be a photo finish. finish for sure. All
2: right, let's take that and we talked about earlier the pitfalls, the timeless tips for managing money. So with that, what he's told us, we've talked about believing, you know, that investments are a smooth ride. We said, okay, that's a pitfall. Don't think that. We talked about timing the market. It cost you, you know, five days would cost you as much as in that particular scenario that Jason gave us. You know, talked about $100,000, risk and asset allocation, taking too little risk was a big pitfall. So when we go through these things, emotionals and diversification and all those things we go through, in reality... When we see a gridlock like this, as I kind of mentioned when Shandy was talking, the market seems to like
1: that. Historically, that has has been good for the market. Um, You know, I I would just say, if I had to give anything, any word of advice to investors, keep your politics out of your investing. (laughs) Because (laughs) at the end of the day, you know, when you think about- Can you repeat that? Can you repeat that? Keep your politics (laughs) out of investing. When you think about a 30-year investment horizon, you're going to go through- a lot of different political regimes. There's going to be all kind of acts that come up, whether it's the Inflation Reduction Act, which is a clever piece of marketing, by the way. That was a, That's a good name to call that act. I'm not sure if it'll live up to its reputation. We shall see. But I think, you know, knowing that over that time horizon, you're going to see a lot of things come and go. And then you throw geopolitics in there and, and the world and there's just a lot of uncertainty out there. So it's it's sticking to those principles like we were talking about earlier in the show and not getting caught up in the emotions and the politics and the news. And this is going to heat up going into November. Oh, this that's is a big get race. It. You're and talking so,
2: about, you think it's yeah. tough now, you wait for the next right. 60 days. It's just going to go out the roof. And that's what I'm trying to say is manage those emotions, turn off the news, don't get caught up in it. And we don't expect, you know, look at the history. September doesn't always give us a great month. So don't lose perspective. Think about that. for standpoint. We shared some things about to you earlier today about giving investment advice. We want to make sure that these five things you leave with us, think about it. Know your, we, 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 in order for us to help, we have to know your age. You have to know your time horizon. We have to know your risk tolerance, your tax bracket. But most important, we have to know your objective. And I think Scott, you and Jason did a wonderful job walking through the timeless tips and how to manage the, the money through all this stuff and just just avoid some of these things. And I want to remind you, if you want a copy of that PDF, just simply go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, nine investment pitfalls. Search for the document. It's in our post. It's absolutely free. It's well done. Easy to read. Just do that. Go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page. Search for the document. Nine investment pitfalls. It's absolutely free. Well, I want to say to you again, sir, thanks for staying around and uh, Channing did a great job. You and he Jason did. did a wonderful job. Appreciate you so much and it's always good. If you'd like to talk to Jason or Scott, 901-757-5757. We'll also connect you with Channing if you'd like to do that. Again, that telephone number, 901- 757-5757. You can always find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Also, if to remind you that if you have questions, type it to Jim, J I M, to the text line, 901 683 0989. That's 901 683 0989. Or send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Just remind you don't forget, nine investment pitfalls. Search the Shoemaker Financial Facebook page. It's absolutely free. Next week, Kevin Westbrook, Rob Clement, and Daniel Irwin from the Better Business Bureau will be with us. We're going to talk about elder financial abuse and strategic ideas about the great resignation and what to do. That's Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 12 noon. I want to thank my producer, Tyler Springs, guest and content coordination by Francis Fortner, production and marketing assistant, Lauren Norsworthy, and our compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
0: Jim Shoemaker, Jason Harrington, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Channing Schmidt is also a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc. and is employed by Securian Financial
1: helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.